Would you pray with me over the message? Lord, I pray that these are your words. God, I pray I don't preach any opinions. God, we came here to hear from you, not from a man. And so, Lord, would you just speak exactly what you brought each person here to receive, that everyone who's here can truly leave saying, I heard something from God today, Lord. That's what we need. And so I just pray that your word goes out. In your name we pray. Amen. All right. We've officially hit the, the, the point in the fruit of the Spirit where I'm no longer going to even try to recap all of them because it will be way too much of the message. So just please know they're all on our YouTube channel. If you've missed some, go back because, again, this is, the fruit of the Spirit is not a buffet line that we're like, I'll have a little bit of this, I have a little bit of that. It says we've got to stay in step with the Spirit. The Spirit leads us, and no matter how many of the later fruit you have, if you don't have love, the Bible says it doesn't mean anything. If you don't have joy, you can't try to be kind. And so if you've missed any of these, I encourage you to go back back, listen to those, but I'm not going to recap all of them today just because we got to move on. And so I will recap, though, the reason it's so important for us to understand the fruit of the Spirit and why the Bible teaches it is so that we can look at our life, see what's growing out of our life, see what's spilling out of our life, and we can know with some sense of certainty if we're being led by the Spirit of God living in us or if we're being led by our sinful nature or our flesh that we've always been led by. And it's so important to have that stability, to be able to look at evidence. We sang about that this morning, of truly seeing. It's not about my emotions. It's about what I see in my life, that I'm being led by the Spirit of God. And if I'm not, that gives me the opportunity to make those changes that I need to make in my life. So we've talked love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness. And those of you who had to memorize this in Sunday school like me, you know that the next one is faithfulness. So we're going to talk about faithfulness today. Now, faithfulness is another one of those that really confused me. And as I did a deep dive study of the fruit of the Spirit, I was shocked when I looked and and really studied what this word faithfulness actually means because it wasn't what I thought. If you're anything like me, if someone says, what does it mean to be faithful? I would say, well, it means to be loyal, true to your word. If you say you're going to be there at nine, you're going to be there at nine, right? If you say you're going to show up, you're going to show up. You are faithful. And that's how I always thought this was. I thought that this was the fruit of the Spirit. Hey, be true to your word. If you say you're going to do something, be faithful to your word. You'd be shocked to know that's actually not what this word means. Now, just like we've talked about with some of the other fruit of the Spirit, like patience and things like that, that's still a virtue that the Bible teaches. You should, if you give your word, you should be there. And the Bible does tell us to be true. And there's times where Jesus uses that sense of the word in his parables. You like, The parables of the talents, you guys kind of know that parable, but where a master in this story gives servants a certain amount of money, and he says, I'm going to go, you do something with this money that I've given you. And some of the servants use it, and they work it, and they make more money, but one of them was scared and hid it under the ground. And when, when the master came back, he said, well done, good and faithful servant. And that's the word we're kind of used to, is, is you, were, you were true to what you were supposed to do. But this word faithfulness that is used in the fruit of the Spirit is very different than that. They're both biblical, 
But if we're looking at the fruit of the Spirit, we have to understand what specific word was this used. And you might be shocked to know that this version of faithfulness literally means full of faith. Makes sense, but not quite what we're used to when we say faithfulness. When's the last time when you said someone is faithful, you meant they're full of faith? But that's literally what this word means. In fact, Jesus uses this word a ton while he's here on earth. This is the word that he uses when he says, bless you, your faith has made you well. This is the same word that he used when he was really upset with his disciples and he said, you of little faith, why do you still doubt? This is the same word that he used here. And so we have to understand, even though it is biblical to be faithful, and that's one of the characteristics of God, we serve a God that is faithful, and we're going to get into this later. When it's talking about what are the, what's the fruit that's going to grow out of my life if I'm being led by the Spirit, this word faithfulness is, I will begin to be full of faith. And that's what we need to talk about today, is what does it mean to be full of faith? What does the Bible say about this? Because Jesus uses this word a lot. Obviously, if you read Jesus' ministry, if you read the accounts of his time here on earth, he talks about faith so much. And you can tell even it means so much, it meant so much to Jesus when he was here on earth, when people had faith. And he was so disappointed when they didn't. It was one of the few times you could see Jesus' heart just kind of break. Man, why don't you have faith? in what I'm saying, in what I'm, in what I'm doing. So let's look at one, another verse that this exact word is used that's used in Galatians for the fruit of the Spirit. This is 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 3. It says, We ought always to thank God for you, brothers and sisters, and rightly so, because your faith is growing more and more, and the love all you have for one another is increasing. So let me give you a little bit. This is Paul's writing. And at this time, Paul is trying to oversee a bunch of different churches. And most of his churches, Paul's letters are like, what are you guys doing? Would you stop it? Like that's most of his letters. That's the tone is, can you guys get it together? Stop it. Stop doing this. Stop doing that. Because a lot of these churches were having troubles. But then there's the church in Thessalonica, the Thessalonians. And he's like, I thank God for you. Like Paul's kind of like, oh, I'm so thankful for you. You guys are not my problem child kind of church. This is the tone that Paul has. And he says, here's why. Because when I look at you, I see that you're increasing in two ways. I see that you're increasing in your love for each other. We've already talked about that. And you're increasing in faith. Those are the two things that he's like, I see these two things growing in you. And so I'm so thankful for you as a church. I'm so happy. I feel so good about where you're at as a church because I see these two things growing. And it's so easy for us to look, even as churches, at different things that are increasing. How many people attend and, and some other things that we're like, is that increasing? We look at some weird things. But if you look at Paul, he's basically like, is your love for each other increasing? And is your faith increasing? Because that's what I'm thankful for. So even in the New Testament church, this idea of having faith is an essential part of what it means to be a Christian and what it means to be a church. Overflowing with faith. That's what, that's what this word basically means. Because your faith is growing. Your faith is overflowing. Now, I would love to be able to say this, but I don't know if I could. How many of you would look at your life and honestly be like, 
I'm overflowing with faith. I've got enough faith to give. I've got faith, like, to, yeah, I can just hand it away because I've got so much faith, I, I don't even need some of it. Most of us probably would not be able to say that about ourselves. But that's kind of the goal. That's the goal for us is to have that amount of faith. So we have to ask the question, and, and it begs this question, why is faith so important? Why did Jesus talk so much about faith? Why was he always pointing out the level of people's faith of, bless you, your faith made you well. You know, you're healed because your faith. So disappointed when people didn't have faith. Why is faith so important? Why did Jesus talk about it so much? Why did the Apostle Paul talk about it so much? Why is the Bible filled with this idea of faith in the life of a Christian? Because I will say, faith is kind of like, remember when we talked about kindness? And I said, we have to be careful that we don't view kindness as just like something nice. Like a badge you can wear that says, well, I'm kind. And it doesn't really accomplish anything, but it just is there and you can feel good about yourself because you are kind. I said, no, kindness is actually a tool. God uses kindness to bring us to repentance. Kindness is a tool that accomplishes something in the world. It impacts the world when you are kind. And faith is the same way. Faith accomplishes something. There's a reason for it. It's not just a badge that we can wear to say, I'm a good Christian now because I have faith. It impacts our life. It changes the world when we have faith. And I'm going to read to you one of the core verses in the Bible if you want to understand what faith is and why is it so important. And this is, again, the same word that is used in the fruit of the Spirit. So this is what should be growing out of our life if we are being led by the Spirit. And this is Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. It says, Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. Most of you guys have heard that verse before, right? And this is where we kind of get the, the really basic definition of faith that I'm sure most of you have heard is faith is believing what you don't see, right? And I'm not going to say that that's a bad definition, but I think there's a lot more in here than meets the eye. And, and we can see the purpose of faith because here's what's really interesting. It says, now faith is confidence. So what do you guys think of when you hear the word confidence? You think of maybe bravado, being full of yourself, you know? We, we almost think of confidence sometimes in a negative light, like, like it's egotistical, it's narcissistic. It's like faith is being full of yourself. That's not what this word confidence means at all. In fact, this word confidence in the original language is a legal claim to something. So if you have a car or if you have a house, there's a, a legal deed that would come with it. In a car, you call it a title. With a house, you call it a deed. Or with land, you have a land deed. And it's a legal claim to say, this is mine, and no one can take this from me because I have proof that this is mine. That's what this word confidence means. And it makes sense because having a claim to something is what gives you confidence in it. Imagine you, you're living in a, in a house and somebody comes in and says, hey, I actually own this. You got to leave. Now, if you have the deed, if you have whatever the title, if you have the proof that you own it, how hard are they going to have to work to get you to move out of your house? 
They're going to have to work really hard. In fact, they're probably, no matter what they say, no matter how hard they try, they're never going to get you to leave because you have everything that you need. You have the proof. You can hold on to it. Show them the evidence that that is yours. But if you don't have that, you're going to be much more likely to be talked out of living in that house. You're going to be much more likely if they start saying, hey, I'm going to take legal action. I'm going to bring some thugs over here and we're going to kick you out. If you don't leave, you're going to be in big trouble. If you don't have that deed, you're going to be much more likely to kind of just walk away with your tail between your legs. This is what's so important about faith, is if you put that back in, in context, it basically says now faith is the deed to your hopes. You see, hope is one of the most important things in the life of a believer. And it's one of the things that we have that the world doesn't have. It should be one of our biggest differentiator is that in the life of a Christian, we have a hope that the rest of the world doesn't have. But the problem is so often we get kicked off of our hopes. We let the enemy talk us right out of it and we walk away from it with our tail between our legs because we don't understand that we have a deed to it. And that's what faith is. Faith is what allows us to hold on to those hopes. Now, I want to be really clear. I'm not talking about, I hope I'm going to have a red Ferrari and I'm going to hold on to that hope. That's not what I'm talking about. We need to understand what we hope in. So this is Hebrews chapter 10. So this is right before the Apostle Paul says, now faith is the confidence in what we hope for. This in Hebrews chapter 10, verses 20 through, 22 to 23, this is what it says. It says, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us Hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. So what is this hope that the believer has? What is this hope that we have? And is it hope that life is going to get easier? Is it hope that, that we're going to win the lottery and win a million dollars? Is it hope that, that everything is going to perfectly just fall into place for us tomorrow? No, our hope is in the fact that our Savior who promised us, who has given us promises of never leaving us or forsaking us, of working all things together for our good, that we will never walk through anything alone, that he will take us to heaven one day, that he's watching over us, that he's our provider, that he's our healer. These promises, our hope is in that he is faithful. And that's that word faithful of true to his word. That's what our hope is in. And so the Bible tells us we have to hold unswervingly to that hope. And the only way you're going to do that is if you have faith. Because faith is that legal claim. Faith is that, that evidence. Faith is the confidence that what God has said is true. And not just that what he said is true, but it's true for me. This is a problem I run into a lot when it comes to faith, is people have faith for other Christians. I believe God is good and what he said is true for everybody else because they're better Christians and they haven't messed up like I did or they haven't gone through what I did or all of those things. So they'll have faith for other Christians. I believe what Jesus said is true for everybody else, but he's not going to do it for me. Well, then that's not faith. We got to believe that what Jesus said is true for us. 
not just for everybody else. And that's faith. And that's the only way we are going to hold unswervingly to the hope. And I'll tell you, that's what we sang this morning about standing in the love of God. That one of the greatest verbs that we've been commanded to do is to remain. And the only way you're going to remain is if you're holding unswervingly to what he said. But just like a house, man, if you don't have a deed, if you don't have a legal claim, you're going to let yourself get bullied. And I promise you, the enemy is trying to bully you off of the promises of God. The enemy is trying to bully you off of your hopes so that the things that you've hoped for, the things that you know Jesus said, but you haven't seen quite in your life, and, and maybe the trajectory of your life is showing that it's not going to happen. If you don't have faith, if you don't have that legal claim that says, no, this is mine, you're going to allow yourself to get bullied off of where you're supposed to be standing. That's why it's so important to increase our faith. That's why the Apostle Paul, when he looked at the church in Thessalonica, said, I'm so happy because I see your faith increasing. I see that you're going to be able to hold on to the hope that you have, that what God has said is true, and it's true for you. So the question that I think we have to ask ourselves is, how do you increase your faith? How do you become more full of faith? How do you become more faithful? And I want to bring you to Romans chapter 12, verse 3. And this is what it says. But rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. This shouldn't be a surprise throughout this whole fruit of the Spirit. I've been like, this isn't the fruit of your willpower. You can't just try to work harder for it. Understand that even the faith that you have is distributed to you by God. He's the source of all of it. Again, that's why that word remain is so important because to remain is to be where you can, you, you can receive everything that God wants to give you. You can be at the source of all of this. But here's where it's really important because it's easy to read this and go, well, okay, I don't have faith. It's just because God hasn't given me enough because if I don't have faith, it means he hasn't distributed enough to me. And that, that would be a, a place I wouldn't want you to go because that's misunderstanding the word faith. You might be shocked if you look at this word faith, look at the original definition in the Greek for this, what it means at its simplest term is to be persuaded. Have you heard that before? To have faith in something means you've been persuaded. So whether we have faith in something means whether we've allowed ourselves to be persuaded. Now here's the thing. You all know somebody who will never be persuaded about something, no matter how much evidence they are given. They have decided, and there's no amount of talking, there's no amount of debating, there's no amount of evidence that will persuade them to change their mind. And this is where we can get with God, where he will provide us with all of the evidence we need to have faith. But if we refuse to be persuaded, we will never have the faith that he's trying to distribute to us. You see, this is why we sing, I see the evidence, because it's so easy to miss all of the ways that God has given us every single reason to be persuaded that what he says is good. And that's the most basic definition of faith that I can give you, is to be persuaded that what God says is true for you. Everything that he says is true for you and to be persuaded by it. 
whatever you've been persuaded to believe, you have faith in. And that word distributed means to properly distribute. So, so what, it, what the Bible is saying is that for each one of us, we are without excuse. God has given each one of us the reasons that we need to be persuaded that what he says is true. The question is, will we allow ourselves to be persuaded or not? That's the question of if we have faith or not. And where we, where we often find ourselves is we look at other people's lives and we feel like God's given them so much more reason to have faith than me. Look at all the good things he's done for them. We're always better at seeing the good in other people's lives, right? Or am I the only one? Okay, a couple people. And so we're like, oh God, you haven't given me the same reasons. If you would have done those things for me, then I'd have faith. But you see, that's our flesh. If you're asking, okay, the spirit of God leads us to grow faith, to be full of faith. What does our flesh grow out of our life? And, and there's this word strife or discord, which basically means the spirit of argument. Most of you guys know somebody who's got the spirit of argument, right? Don't raise your hand. Some of you are married to him, right? Don't, that's, that's just a joke. Please don't. But it's this idea of I'm always going to play devil's advocate to everything, right? And it's not a coincidence that it's termed devil's advocate because that's not like a spirit of God to always be arguing. No matter what, if someone says the sky's blue, it'd be like, really, it's blue-green. Like to have that spirit of always questioning, always arguing, always fighting against what you're being told. And some of us have that with God where God says, look, I'm, I'm good to you. What I say is true. You can trust what I say. It's true for your life. And our flesh will always argue. Our flesh will always be like, well, no, because remember five years ago when I prayed for this and you didn't do it? Like our flesh is always arguing, is always trying to debate with God the reasons why we can't believe what he says is true. And God is like, look, I've shown you everything you need. And the truth is that if we're being honest, if all we had as evidence that we can trust what God says and that he loves us is the cross, would that not be enough for each of us? Take out all of the special ways, and we all have it, that God has shown that he's faithful to you. And we can all come up here for the next six hours and give our own special versions of why God has proven his faithfulness. But even if we take all that away and all we have is the cross, is that not enough evidence for us to have faith in who he is. And part of having faith is just to admit, I've got all the evidence I need. Because your flesh is going to be like, well, he's got to show me one more thing. But it's always going to be one more thing with your flesh. There's always going to be a reason it can't believe. There's always going to be a reason it can't trust. And you have to get to the point where you just admit in your soul, he's shown me everything. There's nothing more he needs to show me. Now, he'll continue to be good and he'll continue to show me reasons that he's faithful, but he has already given me all the evidence to be persuaded. I have everything I need to be persuaded right now that what God says is true, that what he promised he will be faithful to do. And that is faith. But so many of us are in that place where we're constantly arguing with God about why we can't trust him, why someone else has more reason to have faith than us. That's not the spirit of God. That's not the fruit that the spirit grows in us. When we're being led by the spirit, we have faith. And that changes our life. 
You see, when we read the Bible, God wants things to be settled. There's, there's, a, there's a verse in the Bible where God is, is prophesying about the cross. And he's saying, though your sins were like scarlet, which is red, I will make them white as snow. But do you know what he says right before he says that? He says, let it be settled then. That's kind of the heart of God. Is like, let's, let's settle this. Even when he died on the cross, his last words, where it says, it is finished, those words is tetelestai. It was a business term meaning settled. That debt settled, right? The credit card has been paid off. Settled. That's the heart of God is decide. Be persuaded. Be done with it. Know what you know and be done with the questioning. Be done with the maybe he loves me, maybe he doesn't. I'll see what life is like tomorrow and decide if God loves me or not each day. Be done. Have faith. Trust that he's given you every reason to believe what he says is true. And the Spirit of God in you knows how to do that. The Spirit of God trusts. It knows itself. It knows that God is faithful. But the enemy is always going to try to unsettle what God is trying to settle, right? It's like we talked about with peace. God is always trying to unite what's supposed to be together. The enemy is always trying to divide what's supposed to be together. God is always trying to settle, decide, be done with it. No, have faith. And the enemy is always trying to stir up. Did God really say, are you sure this is for you? Maybe, you, maybe this was wrong. Maybe he doesn't love you the way he loves other people. That's the fight in all of this. And God is saying, have faith. Let it be settled. Know what you know, because that is when things start to change in our life. And that's when we can start to hold unswervingly to the hope that we have. And we'll remain in his love, and we will be at the source of everything that we need if we can have faith. But it starts with being persuaded. And that's my question for you just as we close today. What are you being persuaded by in your life? What are you being persuaded by? Because that's what you have faith in. That's just the reality of it. Are you being persuaded by the news that you watch? Are you being persuaded by the friend group that you're hanging out with? Are you being persuaded by your coworkers that are always negative and, and can see every bad thing about everything in your life? Because that is what you have faith in. Or are you being persuaded by the, the truth of God and what he has said to you? Because that's really the choice that we have, is we have all sorts of evidence in our life to believe all sorts of different things. The difference is what we choose to be persuaded by. And so if you stand, I want to pray over you guys before we close. Lord, I thank you that you are faithful, Lord God. And in the sense of you keep your promises, if you say it, it is true, Lord God. And maybe we don't always understand it. Maybe we can't always make sense of it in the moment. But we can know that what you say is true. Lord, first of all, I pray that we have hope in that. Lord, that we as Christians, even if the rest of the world can't hope, even if they've lost all their hope, that we as your church can rise up and show them what it looks like to have hope. Lord, because we don't hope in circumstances. 
We don't hope in, in cars and houses, Lord. We don't hope in armies. We hope in the promises of God. And Lord, would you help us to hold unswervingly to that, to remain in your love, to remain in your promises, to not get talked or bullied out of what we have hope in, which is your promises. So Lord, would you help us to have faith? Would you help us right now, Lord, bring to mind all of the evidence that you have given us to trust you, to believe what you say about us, to believe that it's true and not just for everybody else, but for us, God, it's true for us. And Lord, would you allow us to hold and stay and stand firm, Lord God, in your hope and in your promises. We pray this in your name, amen.